0: talk to you about the, about the Obama thing, because that's the most yes, he exciting is, thing to happen in anybody's life. He
1: is the president, is that he, what you're yeah, yeah, referring to? Yeah, yeah, and you, to?
0: you worked with him recently.
1: I worked with President Obama, yes. <laughs> Barack Hussein Obamacare. Mm. Uh, yes, I worked with him uh, how long has it been now? I guess back in I don't know, March or something? He probably came out in March, yeah. yeah. Um. Yeah, it was exciting. It was crazy.
0: You're you're at you're at a point in your career right now where you don't like you know if I, it, that had happened to the vast majority of people, they would know the exact, exact date moment. <laughs> well, it was.
1: I was. I was. I've been. Um, we've been taping the third season of yeah. Comedy Bang Bang. Um, pretty much every day, I'm there. Um, we just wrapped on Thursday, this last Thursday, and pretty much five days a week for. 13 14 15 hours a day we're filming and then the other two days I would have to edit so um it came up at a really inopportune time um they said hey we we think the president is into doing this um but it's happening right away and we were filming and um they they gave us a. a, a they said it's going to happen some point within this particular week. This, this is after
0: what months, years of trying?
1: Well, years of trying. Yeah, definitely. Where we kept hearing maybe he'd do it, maybe he wouldn't, and then it was all the answer was always no. Um, I read in one interview with the administration that he was thinking about doing it um, for the for his reelection campaign, but instead he did a Reddit AMA. I don't know why those two are equitable, but... You can only do one thing on the internet, really? I guess so. Yeah. So so we'd been trying to get him for a while, but then, then it all came up r- very, very quickly. And it was just like, hey, this is going to happen. You need to go to D.C. to do it. Um, and it's going to happen in this particular week. And that was a week where I was taping mm-hmm. and taping a lot of shows. And... um I actually had the conversation with the White House where I said, "You know what? Um, if it's not Monday of that week, I don't know that I can do it uh, because I have Josh Groban on Wednesday <laughs> and I have Lizzie Kaplan on Thursday, and you know I can't shift those guys around. I mean, my first responsibility is to my TV show." Um, I can't shift
0: lizzie kaplan around yeah because it
1: it's so hard to get people to do the show that the number one challenge on comedy bang bang is the booking that is the biggest pain um
0: and and technically i mean that's you know that the 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 two ferns show has always been kind of a side thing right i mean this is this is your job
1: the two Fern stuff comes up yeah we never plan on doing them we we will get a call occasionally Um, hey, this person wants to do it and we'll just kind of go, do you want to do that? And we say, yeah, I guess so. And we we go do it. Like the Oscars one that we did was purely just like the Oscars inviting us to go interview all these people. And we were kind of like, I I was doing season two at the time. I was like, I'm pretty busy, but that sounds pretty rad to be able to get, you know, 10 or 15 Academy Award nominees on one single episode. So I just kind of made it happen, you know, and like rearranged everything. But for the Obama one, it, if I have a little bit of notice, I can usually arrange the production schedule. But this, this was like, Hey, next week you're doing it. And these guests had locked in to very specific dates. And it had been such a challenge to get them to lock into a date. And Lizzie Kaplan's date kept moving around. And finally she was locked and Josh Groban was only going to be in town for a couple of specific days. And I was just like, I re- I, as as huge of an opportunity as this is, I really can't move these dates around. And it kind of has to be Monday for me. Otherwise, I just don't know if I can do it. And to their credit, the White House is like, okay, we'll do it Monday. <laughs> I, at certain points, I thought the White House didn't realize that they were the White House. Yeah. That they could order us around you know because like we've done these between two ferns episodes with people who you know they very graciously come and do it for free but at a certain point they some people have wanted to get very involved Um, meaning, hey, I want, creatively, like, I want to see the the final cut of it before it goes out, and then they don't like it, and then they want to mess around with it. The
0: White House didn't need this final cut?
1: The White House, well, originally they didn't even bring it up. Like, we were like, don't you realize you're the White House? They were just like, well, hope it comes out okay. After we did it, we're like these guys realize they could (laughs) like what now who knows if they're actually seeing, you know, if they're in our computers and seeing final cuts of everything before it happens. But, um, no, at a certain point we sent it to them out of courtesy before it came out. And, um, we, Zach and I were just fully expecting them to go, okay guys, you had your fun. We had a funny shoot, but you got to cut these jokes out. And instead they just were like, wow, this is a masterpiece. Thank you so much.
0: Like, were, were you like that the 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 entire process of just you know being sure that that this wasn't actually going to happen?
1: Yeah, we we kept saying, you know, Zach and I. <laughs> they said, "Hey, this is this is going to happen if you put the work in," yeah. meaning if you get a good proposal. And we we're like, "Oh, sure. If we get a good proposal, this will happen." Uh-huh. Oh, of course. I, I went down to Zach's house, and we were laughing in the first. I met him on a Saturday on one of my only days off and the first thing that he said was like what a waste of time this was. <laughs> you know, like why why were we wasting our time on our day off trying to come up with jokes for between two ferns with the president. Oh, okay, sure.
0: So so it, um, you you guys you guys wrote it out? He followed a script? No, it, it
1: I mean, the good thing about the White House is that they they really were protective of our um Our process, and our process with these Between Two Ferns is usually Zach and I will get together and figure out the take that we want to do, i.e.
0: The character that the person is playing, or?
1: Sometimes, I mean, you know, with the Steve Carell one, for instance, the idea was, just to break it up, um, you know, have Steve Carell be prepared for Zach insulting him and to insult him first <laughs> so it's like a take like that you know or because
0: obama was kind of a dick in his i gotta you know he was, yeah, really, he was I mean, coming pretty hard
1: that's the thing is is like we so so when when i say you know they were they were cool with the process it's it's usually zach and i meet and we come up with like our take of what we're gonna do so and that's what we were doing at that meeting is just kind of like you know well i guess you know if he'll play along <laughs> we could do this you know and just the whole time going he's not gonna do it but all right let's type up this document which is because we've wasted our time in a lot with a lot of stars trying yeah. to chase them down because we hear they're interested uh over the years several musicians i know um for some reason it's always musicians too like musicians we hear they're interested yeah. In it, and then you go down the rabbit hole, and you talk, and you write up a treatment of what you want to do, or or you talk to their manager, and then what I found is it's always their people who want mm. them to do it, or they're talking to Funny or Die because they know Funny or Die is a thing, and they go, "Hey, Funny or Die, what is your most popular thing? We have one of the most popular singers in the world. What is your most popular thing?" And they go, uh, "Between Two Ferns is really easy and fun. Do you want to do that?" And they go, "Yet." It's popular? Funny or Die is popular? That sounds good. And like conceptually, they like it. And then they have you do all this work for mm-hmm. it, and then you present the work, and then th- then they take it to the person. And the person then goes, no, I don't want to do that.
0: Did, did, did you have any idea, if he had any idea, what it was? That was
1: the thing. We kept assuming it was like yeah. this particular situation of... The White House, whoever that was... Because,
0: th- again, it's weird. It's you know either Reddit or this.
1: Yeah. We just, we just assumed that it yeah. was this White House person wants him to do it because he hears it might be popular mm-hmm. and it would never happen. And then the further we got along, the White House people, when, once they actually became concrete of who they were to us and we met them, we learned that they are huge fans and they were pushing for this. And they really wanted this to happen... And it would not have happened without those guys like actively saying, like, hey, President Obama, this is something you should do. Bradley Cooper, I know, got involved in a meeting with them saying, hey, you really should do this. Um, And so they just kind of protected us and let us do what we wanted with it. Um, And I I think that's the cool part about the video when you watch it is it doesn't seem like You know, every once in a while through the years, presidents have gone on talk shows, you know, The Tonight Show and all that kind of stuff. And you always kind of feel like there are people protecting them from from the the experience. So what and what I mean by that is, is like, say Hillary Clinton goes on Letterman and she's going to present the top 10 Mm. list. You get the feeling. I don't know if you get this feeling, but I get the feeling when I see stuff like that, like her people have thought. Thoroughly vetted everything that's going to happen, yeah. and that's why
0: she's doing the top ten list and not sitting on the couch.
1: Yes, exactly. Yeah. And and they they have made sure that it all is going to maximize her uh, her appearance and not say anything inflammatory. And the cool part about this between two ferns video is they went for it, and mm. the the administration said, you know what? If we do it, it needs to be what these guys actually do. And there's a sense of danger, I think, in this thing and that's what made it so popular is you can't believe that the president is going through this is actually this is happening and yes it's a fake interview yeah. like every episode of between two ferns is a fake interview but you you what's dangerous about it is you can't Im- imagine why the administration would let the president go through this fake interview and do it just like all the other fake interviews, you know? So I I think that that really speaks to why it was so popular and how smart and canny they are that they knew that if he did it and he did it right and he did it the way that we wanted to do it and make a real funny video and not a press opportunity, then it would be popular.
0: I mean, it was, you know, obviously in a sense it was a a press opportunity. And If he had done it last time, it would have been during the campaign. Mm -hmm. This time he's... He's, he, he's pushing something. I mean, sure. Well, everyone
1: – you know, anyone – that that's what's so great about Between Two Ferns and why I think it works and the whole fake talk show thing that we do on Comedy Bang Bang is because everyone go, who goes on a talk show is going yeah. on to plug something. Um, Bill O'Reilly, who lambasted uh, the president for going on it, goes on – several talk shows. And the reason he lambasted the president is because he's trying to get attention for himself. Mm -hmm. Like everyone is out there trying to get attention for something. Um, whether it be, you know, a book you're writing or a movie you're doing. So it's, you know, there's, I don't think we've ever had anyone on the show with the exception of probably Michael Sarah for the very first one who was just doing it just to have fun. I mean, yes, people contact us and go Bruce Willis, for instance, like I'm a big fan of the show. I don't really have a movie to promote. I just want to do it um but but most of the time people come on because and, and the timing of when they come on is due to a new record out or a, a a movie that's come out and that's when they're doing press so just to be totally transparent about it it's like and that's why we included the the section of hey what do you have to plug yeah. is because that is what he's plugging so
0: so uh, that i mean that was really that was your own decision they didn't say that we need to Talk about healthcare. gov for well, a certain amount
1: of time. When you do the, when you do any of these, um, even even on comedy Bang Bang, you know people have things that they are trying to promote yeah. when they yeah. do it, and so there there's usually some sort of agreement and agreement about. I mean, and sometimes we stick to it, sometimes we don't, but about like, hey, if this person does it, they want to make sure that you know there's a mention of this project or whatever that's coming out around the same time so it's all it's always very transparent and talk shows have been that throughout time so for us it just was really easy of like you know it's it's not like when you know the first lady goes on fallon and has to shoehorn um you know uh whatever message she's working on into a sketch they're doing yeah. Um, which always feels kind of awkward. For us, it's just totally transparent. All right, plug your thing, (laughs) and he gets to do it. And that's what's so great about Between Two Ferns, I think, and fake talk shows in general is just there's a long history of that kind of stuff, and um, it just works in that format.
0: So how close is the the, the scripting on Comedy Bang Bang to, to what you're doing with Zach on Two Ferns? In terms of, you know, I mean, obviously there are, bits on the show, on the TV show that are clearly bits, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are oftentimes famous people playing characters, but then a lot of times it's famous people playing famous people.
1: We tried to um, mix up the scripting in Comedy Bang Bang along with improv, because there's just something about doing an improv interview that I think you can tell that it's improv and people are having fun mm-hmm. and coming up with stuff off the top of their head. There's something I really, really like about that. And I, I, I think all of the other fake talk shows that have kind of existed previous to this, Fernwood Tonight, Knowing Me, Knowing You with Alan Partridge, they've all been totally scripted. And it's, um, you can kind of tell, uh, and not to their detriment. I mean, they're really good. But I, I, I knew I wanted to do a show sort of like what we do with Between Two Ferns, which is very improvisatory um, because I, I really like that feeling. That said, the more Comedy Bang Bang goes on, we, like I said, are working 12, 13, 14, 15 hours a day. We don't have the time necessarily to do two hours of dicking around improv trying to find stuff. So normally what we'll do on Comedy Bang Bang is we'll do probably a half-hour take of improv interview, just coming up with bits, and then we'll also do scripted stuff, and we'll try to interweave them with... Between Two Ferns is actually way more improv in it, and it's way more just kind of trying to find stuff, and it's Zach just kind of being brilliant on the couch.
0: So, so so how long would a you know, well, how long did the 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 Obama session take? Like how 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 much did you actually shoot for the?
1: I mean, uh, you know, the the cool part about it is they wanted it to be like what we actually do. You know, I mean, obviously the president doesn't have as much time as the actors that we're normally with, but I mean, they were very protective of it not being like, "Hey, you get six minutes with the president, mm-hmm. and and he's in and out and got to go." You know, it was it was cool. They were they were you know very respectful of what we usually do.
0: So so um, I, I got a screener of the first episode of the new season. Oh, cool. You've got um, did you get
1: uh, the first one or two episodes? The first two. Just the first two. The, it's actually episode one, and episode six.
0: Oh. The first the first and sixth one, yeah. then, uh On the uh, uh, on the Dropbox, but how's
1: that feel getting a screener? It feels good, doesn't it? Something free,
0: it's no, no commercials. Even though TV, yeah, even though TV is free, it's yeah. it's
1: thrilling to get a screener, isn't but, it?
0: You know, it's still work. Yeah. Well,
1: oh, it was work to yeah. watch it. Oh my goodness. Well, I don't like to hear that.
0: I'm not getting paid to be here. If that makes you feel any oh better. boy. Uh, no, but the the you know for example the the Nick Offerman one, mm-hmm. um, you know again playing himself but playing a character. I mean, right. what, is, he, is he bringing you something?
1: Well, that's, you know, I really like doing them with comedians. Um, we, that said, we, we do a lot of um, non-comedians this mm-hmm. season as well. Um, we have skateboarder Tony Hawk, uh, Josh Groban. <laughs> Did you feel like
0: you had to qualify Tony Hawk?
1: I don't know. Some people might think that I'm talking about an actual Hawk, <laughs> so I get worried. Um, then again, some people may think I'm talking about a skateboard riding hawk sure. at this point. So I, hawk, I you know, hawk, Tony Hawk. Yeah, I have no idea hawk. what's going on in people's minds, <laughs> but uh, I try to give the listener as much information as possible. Um, but yeah, so we we have a lot of actors or or athletes or some a lot of musicians this year. Um, and but I, I I love doing it with comedians because you know they bring a lot to the table. Mm. They always like to do a lot of bits. Um, in the Offerman one that you saw. Um, i think there 's probably two scripted bits in the interview, the mustache thing and mm-hmm. um and the the day the earthquake yeah. thing, but the rest of it was was improv and he 's you know Nick is a genius and bringing a lot to it and um you know sometimes with the regular actors it 's uh, you know acting is a very different skill set than uh improv and improv in an interview setting, which is what I mainly do um, because improv in an interview setting is is really about, and I this is what I do counsel every person before they get interviewed is is say yes to whatever stupid question I have. So
0: it's sort of improv one on one, really. Yeah, and yeah.
1: that's what it is. But but when you're an actor, it's not necessarily because you're used to being truthful when mm-hmm. you do an interview. Um, most other talk shows and interview sessions are all about. Someone asks you a question because they want to know the answer to that question, and then you respond truthfully. Um, but that's not really what my show is about. So when I ask a stupid question, i.e. Stephen Yeun is on the show from The Walking Dead, and I say, Stephen, you have an improv background in the Second City. How much of your dialogue on The Walking Dead is improvised? 100%? percent <laughs> Most actors would go, no, I none of it is improv. What are you talking about? You know and, nothing of my work. yeah, and yeah. then that that shuts everything down. But on my show, the answer needs to always be yes. So you you say yes, one hundred percent of my dialogue is improved, and then you, then that leads to the opportunity to go into a bit because then you can go. For instance, mm-hmm. when I'm yelling, uh, hey, look out! There's a zombie. That was all me. I came up with that off the top of my head. Or you can say, yeah, none of my dialogue fit into the show because I'm, you know, and then go off on improv dialogue that has nothing to do with zombies and then go, yeah, they cut around me. You know, there's so many different avenues you can go down. But if you say no, it doesn't lead to anything. Are, so, Are
0: you working the same questions over and over again then? Meaning? Meaning, you know, if you ask the, the question about, you know, the... The show being improv. Right. Are you gonna are you gonna hit that point again and until you get something funny?
1: Repurpose it with another actor, is that what you're talking about?
0: No, no, with another answer. With another
1: answer? Sometimes we will do multiple takes. Um that question in particular, yeah, we did a couple of different takes with it because the first one was pretty funny, but then I was talking to Steven, we were like, hey, let's redo it and try to do a shorter instance. That'll happen a lot of like, hey, that was really good. But something got weird in the setup of it. Let's redo just another take and try to distill it down. You know, that happens a lot. Um, I do repurpose questions through multiple guests if we if it just doesn't come out the right way. There's one question that has never worked. I've never gotten on the show, which is all about... Um, an example of it would be, like, did you know... Uh, that when you went to Comic Con in 2007, that someone would take a picture of you that would be on your Wikipedia page. <laughs> I've asked that so many people, and people kind of go, "Ha ha! Is it really?" That's like that's all they do. I like the, it's
0: a, a little too realistic. Is that the problem the, with the joke? The
1: correct answer yeah. with that is to go, "Yes, I did." I was searching for the proper photograph. I've been doing photo shoots yeah. for many months. Um, nothing was coming out. All right. I finally said, "This is my opportunity."
0: Comic Con. That's, that's interesting, though, because that 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 seems to be a case of a question where, I mean, obviously the idea of improv is you want them to take it wherever they can go with it. But in that case, y- you kind of want them to go in a very specific direction. Sort of. I mean,
1: but but if you just say yes to the question, then the then you can come up with your own possibility you know what i mean but the but if you just say no to it then it just kind of leads nowhere so you know there there was one guest i had on recently where i was like hey i understand you dabble in poetry um can i give you a subject and uh you come up with a poem and the sometimes just actors in general are kind of afraid and they go no and and that and that's it you know what i mean because it's like i don't want to look stupid the interesting thing thing about comedy bang bang is we protect the guests really really well i mean if you are just an actor we've had just regular actors like zoe saldano or jessica alba if you come on the show clark Gregg. um if you come on the show we protect you and we you come out looking really really funny and people who watch those episodes say oh my gosh jessica alba was so funny on that show i didn't know she was so funny um because we experiment and we edit it after the fact, but you know, actors are used to um, talk shows that happen live in the moment. And and I remember Clark Gregg was very like wanting the the affirmation from an audience, which isn't there, or feeling like it wasn't going well because there's no audience, or kind of going, "Oh no, did I mess up? I, I that wasn't funny." I'm like, it doesn't. Who cares if it's not funny? Like, let's just. You know we're going to edit it after the after the fact. Let's just try anything.
0: Is, is it harder because you know you're you're working in this very well established template? Jessica Alba has clearly been on a lot of talk shows. Right. She thinks what she knows what she's getting herself into. Does that make her harder when she goes onto this show and it's just a totally different experience?
1: It's a it it is a challenge with this show. Um, for some reason, I can't get across to guests that it's not a talk show. It's <laughs> a sketch show. Um that that's there's something in the booking part of it that i I think I get guests that wouldn't normally do a sketch show, which mm. is great, so for instance i don't I don't know if not to keep bringing up Jessica Alba, but she was so great but i don't I don't know if Jessica Alba would have done a sketch show someone's sketch show, but she did my fake talk show, which is a sketch show, maybe because uh, her people thought it was a publicity opportunity or something. So I, I do get a lot of people who would not normally do a sketch show, but they come in with a mentality of, Oh, this is a talk show. And then, you know, we shoot for longer than you would be at a normal talk mm-hmm. show. We, so we, you know, we have the people there for five, six hours, sometimes shooting the show. Um, and that's a surprise to them. And I, th- I, th- I think I wish that people kind of came in and a lot of people do, but, uh, I wish people kind of came in more with the mentality of, oh, okay, this is more like doing a day on, you know, doing a day on the Big Bang Theory or something, <laughs> you know, where it's like, I'm, I'm a guest star on the show yeah. and I'm going to be here for a few hours and we're going to try stuff out. And it's not like doing a talk show. Uh,
0: the, the, the diff- it's also not like being on, on the Big Bang Theory because there's no script in front of them. that, that yeah. That's that's another added complication. It, the it's process. a very yeah.
1: weird show to do. Yeah. And the fact that we've gotten, you know, at this point, we've done 50 Hmm. shows we're doing 40 more next year you know the fact that we've had 50 people well it's actually more it's 48 because Zach's done it three times but um who have agreed to do it and season four is going to be 40 episodes yeah uh in a in a calendar year so we're going to be on every week practically um it's just it's just a testament to a i think how how nice my early friends were to do the first 10 episodes and put themselves out there, you know, to have John Hamm and Amy Poehler um, and Seth Rogen and, and Zach and all these people agree to do the show in the first 10 episodes legitimized it in a way where now we can say, look, all these people have done it. Why don't you do it? And now we get people who want to do it because they hear the show is so good um but at the same time there are those people who hear about it just through a publicist and the publicist goes uh, it's a it's a talk show and they come in thinking it's a talk show it's an interesting challenge but one that i think afterwards everyone is very happy that they did when they see the final prod product because everyone comes off looking really good i mean like you've seen the nick offerman one and the had Oswald one they're both super funny in mm-hmm. it right mm-hmm. and it's something that you don't get to see them do on other talk shows so it's a really cool, interesting, unique show that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, but it's one that they need to acclimate themselves to.
0: So wh- why use why use a talk show format? Because again, you know, you you mentioned two or three or four examples of really good, really funny, you know, takes on that format. So why why go back to that? It's interesting. I I have I
1: started writing sketch on Mister Show, which. Um, was a sketch show on HBO in the nineties mm-hmm. and, um, the nineties, the nineties, uh, the the yeah. but th- there was something really interesting that those guys talked about, which was, um, when they first started getting their sketches together to pitch to HBO, um, their manager, Bernie Brillstein, um, said, these sketches are brilliant mm-hmm. and you guys should come out and in- introduce them at the top of the show. And they thought that was really stupid because they're like, how dumb let's just do the sketches the sketches are are great and what bernie said was no sketch comedy is about point of view Hmm. people need to see you as yourself before they can see you in a funny wig because then the transformation is really interesting to people and they go oh my gosh there's that guy who there's that bald guy Mm -hmm. um with the glasses he's dressed up like this funny character and he's doing a voice. Oh, wow. That's really impressive. And people need to see point of view in order to appreciate sketches. When there's just a sketch show and it's just a ton of sketches, it's very hard to get into sometimes. Cause it's like, who are these people? Mm-hmm. Who are the actors? Why am I watching this? What are they trying to say to me? So point of view is the biggest th- hurdle to get across um, when you're doing a sketch show. And when you're pitching a sketch show and I've pitched many sketch shows, throughout the years and that is the one problem that keeps coming up and the one thing you keep hearing is what is point of view what is point of view now point of view is taken care of this is getting very professorial yep. by the way uh, but you have a comedy podcast so mm-hmm. I assume it's
0: okay P- point of view from the standpoint of, of how it's different than other sketch shows okay, or who
1: is uh, who is saying this what okay. is that what are the themes yeah. who wh- what minds are it coming from mm-hmm. um, point of view is taken care of in something like Key Peel mm-hmm. or Dave Chappelle show By the Star yes,
0: sure you literally, know, literally, again, then standing in front of an audience.
1: And sure, there are a team of writers that no one gets to see and a director that no one gets to see, mm-hmm. but when you watch Key Peel, you are assuming it's all coming from the point of view of Key Peel. Um I've had a lot of difficulty getting sketch shows up on the air because that's just something that if you don't have a star attached is very difficult to get across, mm-hmm. is what is the point of view. Strangely enough, when I was offered this uh, talk show based on my podcast. Um, point of view is taken care of in the show because it always keeps coming back to me as the host and kind of resetting. And people say, Oh, wow. You know, uh, why, why do you need to do that? Or like, how come you don't get to be the funny one? Or, you know, uh, why are you playing like a straight laced character? Um, it really is about like comfort and audience comfort level And making someone go, okay, this isn't a bunch of random disconnected sketches that I'm watching. It's all about this guy on this couch and the flights of fancy that his mind takes. And I feel, weirdly enough, people feel safe about it when they watch the show. And they don't go, "Uh, I like this thing better than that thing or that thing better. Which is really easy to do when you watch a sketch show. Uh, Some of the stuff was good. Some of the stuff wasn't good. I don't know. Maybe I wouldn't watch next week. There's something about a storyline and a point of view when you have a host in it that is really comforting to an audience. So, for my mind, yes, I sort of stumbled across it um, because I was offered this show based on the podcast. But it it solved this problem, which has been really hard to solve for me, pitching shows throughout the year, of how do you get a sketch show on the air? It's not easy to get a sketch show on the air. There aren't a lot of them. Um, There's The Birthday Boys, Key and Peele.
0: You're, you're, you're able to go more places, though, when you have a, a very a specific format in place and, and, a, mm-hmm. and, a, and a well-recognized format. Format
1: is really the other way that you can kind of get around the mm-hmm. point-of-view problem. It is the reason that SNL is so successful. There's two reasons SNL has lasted for 40 years now, which is, number one, they stumbled into the celebrity host. Um I don't know if you know anything about the history of the show, but they tried to have a regular host. Uh, They offered it to Billy Crystal. He says, um, (laughs) he says, I guess there's debate about that. (laughs) I don't know. But, um, they wanted to have just a regular, like George Carlin, I think was, was the first host. And, um, I think maybe they were like, that was great. Come back. (laughs) Um, and it, it became this revolving thing, which all of a sudden they realized was, Oh wow, that is a blessing because, now people will tune in to to see what the latest host of the day. What is Lind- how is Lindsay Lohan going to do it? So many people watch SNL not out of oh that's going to be the funniest show I've ever watched. Out of what is Charles Barkley going to do? Sure, and this you've year? got
0: you've, you know you've got that in John Hamm.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh my gosh, John Hamm. Yeah. He doesn't do, normally do comedy. Boy, this is going to be really interesting. It gets it gets a lot of like looky loos for that um, in that respect. Uh, the other thing that they came up with is this format, which is very comforting to mm-hmm. people. When you watch SNL, you know you're going to get the cold open, and it's going to usually be about somewhat about politics. You're going to get the monologue. You're going to get a fake commercial. You're going to get... The opening sketch, which is a fake TV show, you're then going to go into a musical performance and then weekend update and then you're going to get some crazier sketches, you know. And, and there, I
0: mean, there's something nice in knowing that if a sketch isn't working, worst case scenario, you get four minutes of it and then you're back to where you started. Yeah,
1: but it re- if, if SNL st- took more chances, I don't think anyone really wants that. Like mm-hmm. there are a lot of people out there going, oh, I wish it was more surprising or... No, actually, people are very comforted by format. It's, it's something like, you know, CSI is, this, is the exact same way. I mean, when, when I was writing uh, an hour-long mystery pilot for NBC one year, um, I was sent, I had a writer on Cold Case mm-hmm. send me the format of every single hour mystery show. And ever since then, I haven't, I can't watch those shows anymore because I see that format and it's exactly the same. Okay,
0: I want <clears throat> to, I want to stop talking about comedy Bangway for a minute. I want to okay. know everything about this pilot that you wrote.
1: Oh, um, it was, it was cool. It was, uh, it was called Privates, um, and it was about a family of private eyes. Um, it was about a and also genitals. Yeah, I mean that's yeah, yeah, that's why we called it that. But it was about a, a divorced couple who were, um private eyes Mm -hmm. um back in the 70s sort of like a heart to heart and they had kids and they wanted the kids to kind of take over the family business and they were divorced but they still owned this high profile Mm -hmm. um private eye business together so they had to be around each other all the time and they constantly fought and they had two sons who constantly fought and they were were totally different styles of private eye um, it was really cool. It was, NBC was pretty high on it for a while and it actually got greenlit and then a week later it got redlit <laughs> um, because they bought a uh, similar show from a more high profile producer that ended up never happening. But yeah, it was, it was something that I thought I was going to do for a while because um, I, I just, I, I was really kind of... I still am. I'm fascinated with like funny hours, you know, like, uh, the trying to do a funny version of without a trace. I don't mean like wacky, like airplane style. I mean, like just like moonlighting, you know, like I love moonlighting doing a amusing hour is something that I'm really interested in doing. And I don't know. It was a cool show. I, I, for a while I thought it was really going to happen and it ended up not happening, but
0: uh, that's a, uh, you know, it's, and as, as I know that you've done, you've, written a lot of scripts and you you know you've done you've been in a lot of studio meetings but it seems like one of the ways in which hollywood is is different from most other industries is you know usually when you work on something for a while and it doesn't work out you you learn a lesson Mm -hmm. yeah but in hollywood it it sounds you know at least half the time it's just happenstance why why things don't work out
1: sort of but i mean you know I mean that is one lesson I mean I'm producing shows right now um, through my production company and I have um, some really talented writers that I'm working with who have a show at a network um, and it looks like the show will not be going forward even though everyone loves it and um, and to the I mean they love it to the extent of they offered them another development deal just blind from like we love the script we're not going to do the show but here take some more money and write something different and they were kind of getting bummed about it, and and you know I think one of the lessons that I learned I actually was talking to Louis C.K. once when he was um, right after he did this CBS show that was based on his act at the time. Um, it was kind of a supposed to be like a, you know, just like a, a King of Queens, but about him and about his point of view. It was a real. It was a real point of view, like sitcom just of like HBO. This was right before Lucky Louie. This is right before HBO. Yeah, so this was the show he did right before then, which is very similar to Lucky Louie, but then he tweaked it for Lucky Louie. But he, you know, I told this to these guys. Um, He said something really interesting, which is while you're working on something, you have to believe in it with all of your heart that it's going to happen and that when it happens, it's going to be the best show that anyone has ever seen. And um, then, with all likelihood, it will not happen. And you have to be bummed and give yourself like a week to be bummed and then move on to the next thing that is going to be the best show that you've ever worked on. And that's sort of, it was really, i have been going through it a little bit um, because when you first start in the business, you get one idea and you go, oh my God, that is the idea. And you have to learn that there's a ton of ideas and you have to fully commit to the idea that you're doing at the time. But there's always another idea. So, you know, when I worked on Mr. Show, uh, and uh, and then we did the Mr. Show movie, and that ended up not working out that well. And then I wrote the Tenacious D movie, and that imploded. Um, that was a real wake-up call to me, because I was the guy who had moved to... L.A., started doing comedy, got offered to do Mr. Show, like, the second time I did comedy, and then went on to get an Emmy nomination, and, like, everything was working out for me, and we were just like, yeah, well, that's what Hollywood is. Everything works out. And I was, like, slapped in the face with reality out of that, and then did a decade of just trying to get projects made that never got made. Um, And so it's like a lot of it is luck and just, you know, finding what happens to strike the fancy of people, but um, at the same time, it's just you just gotta work hard, and then when it doesn't happen, just pick yourself back up and work hard on the next thing.
0: Well, and and you know the the nice thing about the format you have going now is you get to to do one of those stories every single week. I mean, you yeah. get to do an earthquake disaster story one week.
1: That's it's you know what I, I love about doing the show is we we said when we first started the comedy bang bang, I said you know what I I really don't want to repeat bits. Um, a lot of times on talk shows, look, when you're doing five a week, mm-hmm. you have to repeat bits a lot and repeat characters a lot. And I said, I, I really don't want to do that. I want every single minute of every single show to be very different. What grounds it is the point of view is is me and Reggie, you know, like going through all these storylines. So we, what's cool about the show is we get to do just wildly different things every single episode. You mentioned... Um, there's an earthquake episode with Nick Offerman, but in the first f- five or six, we have Reggie going off to space mm-hmm. to fight a battle in space. We have uh, someone's killed in the studio and there's a whodunit where Jason Alexander is an inspector trying to figure out who the killer is. Uh, we do a, a take on the late night wars where Fred Armisen and I are up for the same talk show job mm-hmm. and we're both trying to get it. Um, we're doing our series finale as our fifth episode this year um, and where we're flashing forward to how the show ends years down the line. Um, we're, we're doing a black and white episode where I get conked on the head and go back in time to the 1960s. And every every single episode is kind of different and kind of new and and it's kind of a comedy... Writer's dream, but also kind of a comedy lover's dream. In the way of like, wh- what's exciting about watching the show to me is you don't know where you're going to get, and each episode could be something wildly entertaining that you're into. So I, I really love doing the show. Thanks, Scott. Oh yeah. wow, that was a I, abrupt. I, got the, I got Oh my the, god! Wow. Thing. No, no ramp down at all. No, we're done. Mike, just we'll thanks, Scott, I think, I, think, yeah. thank Scott,
0: and then You're yeah. you're
1: editing the part where you <laughs> thank me. Yep. That's the most important part. We're probably just going to cut it mid-sentence. I, I mean, what is a listener going to think if all of a sudden I'm gone and, and I'm not thanked? I mean, they're going to think that you're the rudest
0: host of all time. Or who is this person that he's been talking to the yeah, entire time whose name I haven't heard he mentioned Yes, once. exactly. <laughs> You've
1: got to. Because please do me a favor. Keep that thank you. That's going to humanize you. Scott, Trust me.
0: Scott, thanks. You're welcome. From the bottom of my heart. Thank you.
1: You're welcome from the top of mine. Oh.
0: There you have it. That was uh, that was Scott Ackerman, uh, the second return guest here on RYL. In fact, actually, the second return guest from uh, from IFC. So uh, uh, that's uh, that's that's two for two over at IFC. Uh, thanks so much to, to Haley for setting both of those up. It's uh, it's always a pleasure speaking with Scott. Um, uh, season three of of Comedy Bang Bang is airing right now on IFC. Uh, they're doing some really some insane narrative stuff over there. So um, definitely definitely check that out. Pushing. Pushing the boundaries of, of, of what you can do on a on a television talk show, and then also pushing the boundaries of what you could do on a on a on a podcast talk show as well. The uh, the the podcast version of Comedy Bang Bang continues unabated, and then uh, as you mentioned in the interview um, episodes of Between Two Ferns, kind of here and there. I mean, once you know, once they, I guess, once they figure out um, how they could possibly top interviewing the the, the leader of the free world, uh, cryogenics. Uh, you know, some sort of, um, uh, like a like a Ouija board, like a like a past life. I mean, those, you know, there there are there are a, a lot of options. So maybe we will see another episode of uh, Between Two Friends in the future. Uh, thanks so much uh, to IFC. Thanks so much to Scott for taking the time to do that. Thanks uh, thanks to you, the listener, for being a listener of the show. Uh, thanks to Brian, as always, for editing this thing together. Um, thanks to uh, Boing Boing, Mark Mark uh, Mark F, and everybody else at uh, Boing Boing, the Boing Boing Podcast Network. If you like this show, there's a pretty good chance you're gonna like uh, one of their other many. Mini- Fine, show. I should say one of our many other fine shows. Uh, you can check those out by going to boingboing.net. You can also check those out by going to iTunes. There's a really uh, uh, lovely, lovely page over there. So uh, you, know, you can listen to some, some some fantasy podcasts, some, some Game of Thrones podcasts. There's a, a new gadget podcast. There's things for chess. There's stuff for everybody. And while you're over at iTunes, why not uh, why not take the opportunity to rate the show right here? Um, you could always use your love. Uh, if you want to email us some love. Uh, you, can, uh, you can do that it's RAYLCast at gmail.com uh, we've got a tumblr account with pretty much the same address that's uh, ryylcast you can catch the show over there uh, uh, hours if not days before it posts over at boing boing uh, so th- uh, thanks again for listening and we will be back next week with another episode of Ryl.